This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 48 Haunted Highways Part 2 The Uniondale Ghost Throughout history, there have been many urban legends speaking of ghastly figures that haunt the highways of the world. Each tale, although unique on its own, often shares the same common theme. A ghostly hitchhiker that eventually disappears into thin air after being picked up. This story happens to be similar in that regard. However, is one of the most notable and has had many reports to support it. This is the story of the Uniondale Ghost. The rain poured down on the small Volkswagen Beetle, making it hard to hear anything but the droplets of water as they fell onto the metal casing that allowed them to travel through the night. Visibility was extremely low and Gil Oberholzer had been doing his best to make his way down the lonely N9 highway from Pretoria to Riversdale. Guided only by his headlights illuminating the path through the downpour, while his new fiance Maria Rue, often referred to as Rhea by her friends, slept in the back seat. He hadn't wanted to make the drive, especially given the current conditions, hindering his normally impeccable driving performance. But he had recently proposed to Maria, and she wanted to provide the news to her parents face to face. It was also Easter weekend in 1968, and the family had planned on celebrating the holiday. Gil was a corporal in the South African Army, and was used to facing difficult situations. But this night seemed to demand more of his attention and efforts than he was used to. He squinted his eyes and continued following the guiding lines on the long stretch of the road. He wanted to arrive at his destination and was eager to do so. He sped up just enough to feel the car start the hydroplane across the rain-soaked surface. He led off the accelerator and leaned back to look at his future wife, to make sure that he hadn't alarmed her. To his surprise, she was still sound asleep. He let out a quiet sigh of relief and turned his attention back to the road. At that moment, he felt a gust of wind that pulled the car away 
from the center lane. He immediately attempted to correct it by turning the steering wheel in the opposite direction. However, it didn't make a difference. By this time, the car was pulled off the side of the road and was quickly approaching the tree line. Despite his efforts and pressing on the brake to stop the car from colliding with the oncoming trees, it was too late. He knew it was inevitable. As he looked up, everything went dark. Gil awoke to the feeling of raindrops falling on his eyelids. He slowly opened his eyes, attempting to wipe them with his sleeve. However, it didn't make much of a difference as his clothes were soaked. The windshield had been busted and the rain poured into the small car. He then slowly pulled himself up and immediately looked back to Maria. His stomach sank and his heart started racing at the side of the empty back seat. He quickly surveyed the scene around him for any signs of her, but there were none. Gil then pulled himself out of the car, which was now a mere mangled mess. He stumbled to his feet and began searching the area while calling out, Maria! His voice echoed throughout the night, but the only reply he received was the howling of wind as the storm continued to rage onward. After tirelessly searching for Maria with no success, he climbed back up the hill toward the highway. Exhaustion quickly consumed him, and he found himself incapable of standing any longer. He then collapsed on the side of the road. The following day, Maria's body was discovered by a local farmer. A coroner report later stated that she had been unconscious at the time of her death and would not have felt any of the injuries she had sustained through the accident. Approximately eight years later, a man by the name of Anton Lagrange was driving down the same highway where Maria Rue had passed away after her fiancé lost control of their car. As he was approaching the outskirts of Uniondale, he spotted a lonely woman standing on the side of the road. Immediately concerned for her well-being, he slowed down and parked next to her. He then proceeded to offer her a ride. The woman was dark-haired with a pale face. She wore a dark coat and slacks. The woman then quietly opened the door and sat inside as Lagrange proceeded to drive away. After driving a few miles up the road, he looked over towards her, but she was gone. Lagrange was immediately shaken up by what he had experienced. There was no way to explain what had happened, nor why she had just vanished. He decided to travel into Uniondale to stop and report what had happened to the local police. On duty was Cornelius Potgeeter, better known as Snowy. He dismissed LaGrange's claims and went about his business. LaGrange left Uniondale heading back down the same stretch of highway. 
As he was just outside of Uniondale, he heard a blood-curdling scream that chilled him to his very core. Coming from inside the car, terrified, he immediately turned around and returned to the police station. Sergeant Potgeter helped him search his car, but nothing was found to suggest there had been anything or anyone inside of it. The officer then decided to follow LaGrange out of town to see if he could see or hear anything matching LaGrange's claims. As he was driving just outside of Uniondale, he approached a foggy mist. At that point, the rear passenger side door opened and closed, as if insisting a passenger had gotten into the car. Following behind him, Sergeant Potgeter watched as the rear passenger door opened and closed on its own. Jarred by the occurrence, Sergeant Potgeter immediately returned to the police station to lock up and retire for the night. For him, some of the details and description of the ghastly passenger caused some unsettling memories to surface. At roughly 8 a.m. the next day, he reached out to Sergeant Pat McDonald to question him about the woman that had gotten killed in a car accident just eight years previously. Pat McDonald had been the first officer on the scene. He confirmed to Sergeant Potgeter the woman's name had been Maria Rue and also described her appearance. Sergeant Potgeter could feel chills down his spine as the man confirmed LaGrange's description of the woman that he had encountered. The news spread throughout Uniondale like wildfire. Within days, newspapers reported on the phantom hitchhiker. LaGrange was eventually shown a picture of Maria Rue and responded by saying, It was the same girl. There's no doubt about it. It frightened the man so badly, he never returned to the area. Two years later, on Easter weekend of 1978, Army Corporal Dowie Van Yarsfeld was stationed at an army base just 100 miles away from Uniondale. He found himself on the N9 highway, heading towards Uniondale to spend the holiday with his girlfriend. As he approached the town, he noticed a woman standing on the side of the road. Just as he was about to turn, the woman raised her arms to get his attention. Dowie then stopped his motorcycle and offered the young woman a ride. She climbed onto the back of his bike and placed the spare helmet on her head. He then proceeded to tell the woman to hang on tightly around his waist and then continued driving. After roughly two miles, he felt the bike jerk as if someone had fallen off. He quickly glanced over his shoulder and the woman was gone. Dowie slowed down and turned around to go back and look for her. 
He looked around for a few minutes before realizing the spare helmet was still secured to his bike. After the realization, he continued to his original destination. A newspaper article reported on Dowie's experience and stated that he was shaken up and could not explain where the woman had went or what had happened. He also described the woman exactly as LaGrange had, matching the description of Maria Rue. An additional two years had passed when on Good Friday in 1980, another motorcyclist, Andre Coetzee, was driving down the N9 looking for a friend whom he thought had run out of fuel. He was driving at a leisurely speed, attempting to survey his surroundings, looking for the man. All of a sudden, he could feel a tight embrace around his waist, as if someone was riding on the back of his bike. He could also feel the weight against his back from someone leaning up against him. Immediately frightened, he looked down and saw a pair of feminine hands wrapped around him. He quickly accelerated to 80 miles per hour to attempt to shake the unwanted passenger. However, the woman didn't budge. He then accelerated to 100 miles per hour and felt the impact of being hit in the back of the head three times. In an instant, the passenger was gone. After arriving in Uniondale, Coetzee stopped at a local cafe. Shaken up and in shock, he sat down at a table by himself. Cafe owner Janetta Meyer asked him what had happened. He could barely speak, but was able to recount the events. He told the owner he hadn't even seen anyone alongside the road before it happened. The story was all too familiar. It eventually was reported on by a local newspaper. However, they were incorrect in some details as they stated the woman had died in a motorcycle accident and had blonde hair. It was clear that Andre Coetzee had the same encounter with the famed hitchhiker, Maria Rue. The phantom hitchhiker phenomenon has been reported all around the world. From ghastly figures disappearing alongside the road, to vanishing shortly after being picked up. One major thing that sets these stories aside from normal ghost stories is their ability to communicate and interact with the living before vanishing. Stories have been shared and passed down through generations resulting in urban legends and campfire stories told on chilly nights. Despite the truth to the events, each remain significant on their own. One thing to consider and remember. If one finds themselves on a dark and lonely highway and happen to come upon a strange and peculiar hitchhiker, consider the situation in the outcome. It is human nature to want to stop and help. However, sometimes 
Our vulnerabilities inhibit our ability to assess the situation properly. On the other hand, if one does stop and pick up the lone hitchhiker, be aware, for you may be in for the ride of your life. Welcome campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. Alright, we're back. Yeah. This is uh this is cool. Coming back for another round of uh of haunted highways. Right, some kind of spooky spooky road stories. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, the first one was first one was great. There's so many legends around highways. Mm-hmm. Around those that liminal space between you know, between civilization. Yeah. It kind of kind of makes you, at least maybe for me, kind of makes me think about, like, all those nights that I've, I've been on some, you know, long road trips and out in, you know, late at night and everything. Now, like, I feel, I feel like, you know, going forward, I'm going to be more apt to be watching out for these kind of strange things along the highways that... Yeah. I never really did before, you know? Yeah. I never really was in that, that mindset. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I've always been like super guilty of like highway hypnosis. Yeah. You know, where I just like go yep. into a Zen state and suddenly realize that I've been not paying attention for the last 40 minutes. Uh, yeah. No, I, I get that. I mean, sometimes as I'm driving, I kind of get in the zone. Yep. And then as defensive a driver as I am uh like you know it's easy to just all of a sudden you're you're kind of you kind of come to and you're like well wow it's that was an hour you know multiple hours like that just kind of flew by and you're just you know kind of on autopilot autopilot. at at that point yeah for sure yeah and when you read these stories you're like man I need to be paying attention (laughs) I (laughs) get I've had that with, like, in general, since we started this podcast, like, when I go outside at night now, I, like, catch myself looking up at the sky, like, and I never used to be like that. I I mean, now every time I'm outside at night, I'm like, what is up there? Yeah, (laughs) no, I I feel that for sure. Um, I don't want to miss it. It's, it's a, it's, it's kind of a, honestly, I, I, I like being in that kind of, like, state of mind as always you know always on the lookout for something that you know again like and in your normal day-to-day you might dismiss or you might just overlook yeah. but now that like we we talk about we like we look into these things we investigate into these things so thoroughly that i have a new way of kind of looking and approaching things yeah the world in general exactly yeah like for sure yeah which is cool it's very cool that's why like we always talk about how like policemen and people in the military are make really good witnesses right because they're used to being at that level of vigilance all the time you know what i mean yeah of like they're constantly looking for danger they're looking for things that stand out they're like making mental notes of things that are odd or change drastically like and it's cool to kind of get a little a little taste of that 
Right. I mean, it's it's more of that investigative side yeah. you know, that kind of comes out at that point. You know, yeah. even not intentionally, like you're just you're still there in that frame of mind and Yep. Yeah, it's cool. I get it. I so, get it for sure. This story I specifically I really liked because it reminds me a lot of like the the white lady or the woman in white legends that you hear yeah. so often. But it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a like, it's a bit different than those, which actually I have a couple uh, examples of uh some additional stories and things like that where we actually do kind of touch nice, on classic. a couple of See, them. See, I was recently on that um, white. project yeah. project skeptic podcast and we talked about women in white and like those legends are so ubiquitous they're like every little town has a woman in white legend it's like right there with like crybaby bridge of course like every every place with a bridge has a legend of you know some you can hear a baby crying at the bottom or you know some exactly yeah it that's i think that's literally like you said in every small town and every you know corner of the world like there's some something like that that's out there they all have like a dead man's curve or like Mm -hmm. uh devil's backbone or whatever it is or like the blood road and those types of things you know exactly and i love those i feel like those those little urban legends especially for those of us who grew up in small towns were like it was like a a bonding opportunity for kids. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, I agree. Like, I agree. Yeah, to just go out there and get the shit scared out of you together. And like you're scaring <laughs> each other more than anything, you yeah. know? And it's yeah, it's very cool. You're basically like legends. hyping it up the whole time for it to be this like big oh, yeah. thing. And yeah, it just it kind of makes it exciting but also like terrifying and what if yes. this is real? But, you know, at the end of the day, yep. of course, it's just one of those urban legends that, you know, towns sure. are known for. And, you know, that, uh, like you said, that pretty much every small town has their, their you know, their kind of, like, pieces of those. Yeah, their version of it. Exactly. And, like, I think a lot of those legends are established initially like a lot of them are around like particularly dangerous roadways, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of those are established initially to scare dumbass teenagers from killing themselves on these like hairpin curves or like these blind turns and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm these sure. huge ravines. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure that's what that's where those kind of originate, right? Yeah, as a way of just uh, trying to deter, like, you know, if you aren't safe or, like, you know, following following specific things or whatever else, like, you know, this could be mm-hmm. you sort of thing. Um, yeah, the dude with the hook hand's going to kill you if you try right. to, you know, make out with your girlfriend. Yeah, there's yeah thousands of those stories, you know, yeah, that all absolutely. share that same, like, common premise, but each one might be catered to that area that time period or whatever else yeah it's cool though because i think those legends are older than the modern horror movie yeah right of course i feel like a lot of a lot of the modern horror um tropes that we're familiar with are kind of are kind of um adopted from 
those legends. Yeah. It's same as like, you know, because the trope of like the the people who have sex first in a horror movie. They're always, always the first to die. Right. If you're naked, yeah. you're going to die. Exactly. If you and go off on your same. own, you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's like all the that's all the lessons that people are trying to use these legends to you know to teach their kids right like if you go try to have sex with your girlfriend in the in your car you're gonna get killed by the dude with the hook for the hand right yeah and then or some like machete wielding man with the hockey mask exactly um and that like kind of morphed into these horror movie tropes that follow the same guidelines yeah you know yeah it's pretty cool I do dig that, because um, I think, you know, like, every story has some foundation and some origin. Yeah, and, yep. that's, and that's something we, you know, we do discuss a lot. Like, every story comes from some place or some event that inspires yep. it or causes, you know, this to become, like, uh, you know, an even thought, right? And yeah. so, you know, to kind of deter, you know, these things or warn your kids against, like, you know, having sex when they're young or yeah. STDs or, you know, whatever yeah. else. Like, what better driving way? driving 90 around a curve. Right. right? What better way yeah. to, you know, try and get them to not do it by saying, hey, you do this, you're going to die. Like, and that's yeah. what, you know, media, media also kind of shows that too. And so yep. it's... Uh, it follows right along. I, I think that I, I do like that though. I mean, it's it's really cool. And it also like gives almost like a foundation for some of these earlier kind of classic slasher films. Yeah. You know, absolutely. they kind of follow that same base storyline, especially Friday the 13th, the way like, you know, that's, that's one big one. You know, people going out camping and, you know, young kids having sex, like they're always, they're always the first to go. Yep. Um, you know, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit different than, of course, like kind of these, these haunted highway stories and stuff like that, but sure. they all still share some, that, that kind of common ground. Yeah. And that, like that one in particular, I think the core, the core lesson in that one really is like, don't pick on the weird kid. Yeah. That's, right? that's true. Like yep. that has to be like the main moral of the story with Friday the 13th. I mean, that's and just that, like, like bullying, you know, th- yes. that, the whole, the whole idea of bullying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jason was kind of like the first school shooter. Like yeah. that, that character, well, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, you, if you go into the first one, you know, it's actually his mom kind of carrying out these things until, yeah, you yeah. know, like he's, whatever right yeah but the first friday the 13th can fuck off <laughs> that movie dude i rewatched set that the tone recently. for the entire that franchise though that movie sucked i don't know i liked it i liked it I, I mean that might be a hot take i might be outraging some people but like i i hated that movie my favorite one has to be jason goes to manhattan <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite one <laughs> literally mm. the best uh, to me at least it's like one of the best storylines but it also takes away from like Camp Crystal Lake and all that stuff this isn't a conversation about Friday the 13th sure. but <laughs> sure like that's okay still fantastic this yeah those 90s um horror series 
those 90s slasher series has got so crazy. When you have, like, Leprechaun Goes to Space and shit like that. Yeah. Whatever it is. Freddy versus Jason. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. What, there was the one that was in space. Uh, from Was it Jason X? Was that one in space? It might have been. I don't know, man. Like, there's some I don't know really either. silly, silly ones. Anyway. Uh, Leprechaun the, the on the Hood. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. Classic. All of those really oh, strange man. ones. The, that movie is so incredibly racist. <laughs> it mean, really is. If you look it's at it, that entire franchise was extremely it, racist. Yeah. It does not hold up. No. It does not hold up. No. Yeah. It's that's it's fair. hard to watch. Yeah. Um yeah, society has progressed significantly since Leprechaun in the Hood. Yeah. 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 Um thank God. Um Anyway, the whole point was that like these movies are based on that same those same concepts behind yeah. all those urban legends, right? Yeah, or at I agree. least a lot of the tropes in them are, which is cool because it's you know you have these like regional foundations under, and maybe that's why people relate related to those movies so much. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we we're all so familiar with that like campfire story of the slasher, or you know the hook hand guy, or whatever it may be. Yeah. The yeah, maybe I, that's why they I, you know I'm caught sure on right. so well. Like it's it's probably it's probably a lot of like what kind of gives it that backbone and that like you know it kind of allows it to kind of feed off of feed off of that because there's already all those original stories and those ideas of like you yeah. know like being safe, being out there, like you know making sure that uh, you know, you aren't picking up these lone hitchhikers along the road or. You know, yeah. hitting someone while you're in a car with your friends drinking and, you know, being underage and, you know, get chased yep. after a man with a hook hand. Um, exactly. <laughs> you know, like little silly things like that that I think, like, do kind of, like, almost give, like, a, a warning. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Definitely. Um, Speaking of lone hitchhikers, let's talk a little bit about Maria here. Yeah, yeah, she was, uh, so this, this story is, uh, so it does take, takes place in South Africa. Yeah. Um, back in, what was it, 1968? Yep. Yeah. And so, I mean, basically, like, the whole thing is, you know, they had just, literally had just gotten engaged the day prior. Yeah. Right? So, they, you know, she wanted to tell the family, it's Easter weekend, what better time, and, like, you know, way to tell them by... Yep going to visit and then of course like they end up coming upon like this crazy crazy storm Storm, in the process yeah tragedy strikes yeah see that's that's another um that's another similarity with the the standard woman in white story is it's always some kind of like devastated lover oh of course in the story you know like either she's out wandering looking for her you know beloved's decapitated head or like she lost her baby or it's always some tragic event that creates these i mean tragedy tragedy itself right you know i mean just the just the experience of loss can cause like so much like pain and grief and and all these other things that like leave behind this like residual energy in the first place Yeah. yeah i'm 
By the way, we've done like Russian names, we've done South American names, we've done um, <laughs> French names. How was the South African names? Man, it's tough. It's, it's tough because yeah. I, I literally had to look up like how to pronounce this or how to pronounce that. And yeah. I, I still struggle with it. So I apologize I, for any of the listeners. If I butchered <laughs> names, please forgive me. Right. I think I'm pretty sure it's like tonal the same way that like Gaelic is. Right. Because it's like, because you look at the way the name is spelled and you're like, that's not what that sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Like, it's completely different. There are like consonants in there that are just completely forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird combinations like GHR one of those, and right. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought you did a good job, but you know, I also don't, I'm also not familiar with South African pronunciation, so hey, I, I'm probably know. not a great judge of it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, um, forgive, forgive us if any of it's incorrect, but hopefully yeah, nobody catches course. that, you know, listen to the story, you know, focus yeah. on that part. <laughs> The names are inconsequential at this right, point. Right, exactly. Exactly. Even though, I mean, this is a major thing in history. Um, yeah. This area was very, very well known for these occurrences. Like, even, like, the Rue family became, like, it got to the point where, like, you know, they were they were writing and telling people, like, please stop, stop talking about this. It's not, you know, they, in their, in their words, were, were always that. This is not real. She's not a ghost. She's never, you know, done these things. But right. how do you explain so many experiences and occurrences of people not even familiar with this story reporting yeah. seeing this same person ex- explain or you know, like basically describing her the same way? And it was always on this stretch of highway close to where that accident had occurred. Yeah. So the first one you talked about was Anton Lagrange, right? Lagrange. Right? Yeah. That was like eight years later yep. after the accident. So this would have been nineteen or yeah, nineteen seventy six. Okay. So my first thing was like when he goes and first reports the incident to Cornelius, the the police fellow, mm-hmm. Snowy. He just kind of yeah, Snowy. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah, nickname, that's a great such nickname. a strange nickname, right? Uh, so he just like writes it off as like what like a prank yeah or, like, so just a guy being wacky at first it was more so like one of those things you know he i i to me it feels like he was like yeah yeah another young kid that's coming you know coming through here or whatever else i mean well he wasn't really young i mean this guy was what a 40 year old man um yeah. but this you know just another random highway person passerby passer through whatever yeah. Um. Like you know, just spouting nonsense. Um, yeah. But then you know he goes back out. He's driving, driving along, exiting out of Uniondale, and hears this loud, high pitched. The way he described it in his own words were, it was either a very loud scream, or it could have been laughter. Like, it, which I mean, it's. That's- I don't know how you can really not tell the two apart, but you know, maybe given the that's situation, kind of, right? That's kind of terrifying for yeah. a sound to oh, be yeah, exactly. on the line between those two things. It almost makes the whole yeah. situation seem sinister. 
in a yeah, sense. Yeah, a little bit. So, like, he goes back after the yeah. scram. Yeah, he goes and back and reports it again. They hey, his car, this right? happened. And, yeah. So, Snowy basically helps him, or Sergeant, uh, we'll just call him Cornelius. Snowy. It's easier. Um, yeah. You know, like, uh, helps him search the car, look for anything. And they didn't find anything out of the ordinary. And he's like, you know, basically the guy's shaking. He's shaken up. Like, you know, you can tell. Like, yeah. he's been startled. Like, something actually, something happened. Yeah. So, you know, the officer decides, okay, I'll just follow behind you. Like, I'll, you know, we'll go check it out together. Not expecting a whole lot. Yeah. But, you know, like, so keeping in mind, like, he's described this person that he saw that he had originally picked up. So, you know, the officer already has, has this in his mind. So they're yeah. driving, and all of a sudden, like, he sees, you know, as he's traveling behind LaGrange sees this rear passenger side door open and then lightly shut as if someone literally had gotten into the car and shut it behind them. And then he just leaves. I mean, yeah. He gets freaked out and leaves. Right, yeah. I mean, at least that's that's what I was able to find. I didn't see, like, any other, like, specific details if they, like, stopped and went over, like, you know, what had happened or anything like that. It was more so that he returned back to the station because he was so scared and like yeah. literally just caught off guard by this whole situation that he went back, closed up shop, and went home for the night. If that's true, that's fucked, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> kind of like, a rude. What an asshole way to approach it for sure. Um, yeah, but you know, I mean, it, given that situation, I mean, that would be pretty damn startling. Yeah, but and he's like, I'll follow behind you. Like, I'll protect you. And then as soon as something crazy happens, he's like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> like, nope. Uh, this, that, I not didn't sign for me, up for, not for me, bud. Sorry. Yeah. Um, no, that's you know, crazy. So it, it's, yeah. And then, and then of course, like, he starts to put two and two together. The description of this woman. So the next day, he you know, meets up with McDonald and, like, asks him about it. And, of course, McDonald confirms yeah, this is this is the person that matches the description, yo. Know, and then even like later on, Lagrange has shown that picture of the woman that was said to be Maria Rue, and said, yeah. "Yes, this is her. There's no doubt about it." Yeah. Uh, did you get? Were you able in your research to get a feel on this Pat McDonald character? Like, not did really. He seem like a believer in the phenomenon, or um, did you ever really? So I don't really think he was kind of really in in that like in it very much because it was more okay. so Snowy's kind of doing like trying to find out this information and of course gotcha. as soon as this story was told the local newspapers the area caught wind of it and it kind of just rapidly spread Blew throughout up. the area right. yeah um, so I didn't so really McDonald's get any of McDonald's like a... side or anything like that okay. So McDonald was more of just sort of like a contact point while Snowy was doing the legwork. Right. Yeah. More so the okay. one to kind of confirm this is, you know, because he was the first like. in the scene when the original accident happened. Gotcha. You know, he found her body, you know, laying on the ground. She was on her back with her head basically against the embankment. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, he was the first to actually see what had happened. Yeah, when you know the person had found her body, um, so yeah, I mean it, it's kind of one of those more so like he was just there for the information, I think. 
Okay. So, like, the next two encounters, the ones that involve the motorcycles, the right. people on motorcycles, freak me out. Yeah. These are, like, genuinely terrifying stories. So the first one, the guy picks up the girl... Very similar to. I mean, he wasn't even going fellow. to. Like he was, he was heading, you know, heading to visit his girlfriend for the holiday. Like the holiday weekend, it's literally. I think it's what was it? Good Friday at that point. I think maybe. Okay. Um, right after Easter. Right. He's going to pick her up and or going to visit her for the. <laughs> doesn't yeah. matter the <laughs> semantics. Yeah. <laughs> Friday's before Easter, definitely. It is. But regardless, so you know, he's going into town to visit to visit her. So he like starts to turn off on the side of the road, like as he's getting right, you know, right on the outskirts of Uniondale. And then sees this lady, she's standing there, and he goes to turn and she's waving him down. Like, you know, like as you would expect, yeah. like someone trying to get somebody's attention. Yeah. And so, you know, he pulls up and Obviously, she's distressed, whatever else. Being the kind person that he was, offered her a ride. You know, she hops on the back, yeah. gives her the spare helmet that he has attached to it, you know, attached to his bike, and they go about their business. And then the turn happens, which is what freaks me out. Like, he thinks that she felt that she fell off the right. bike, right? He feels like a jolt or something. Yeah, like, like as if like, like she someone, fell off the bike. right? Exactly, like either hopped off the bike or something. You feel like yeah. you know when you're on a motorcycle, you can feel the weight being depressed. Yeah, or the shocks right. let exactly. go, and yeah, yeah. So he stops, obviously turns around, goes back, tries to find her, can't find her, and then he finds the the damn extra helmet still attached where uh, it was still before attached he ever to his gave bike. It to her. Exactly that. That is such a cool detail. Yeah, that's, I really like, liked that too. Because it's not like he finds the helmet on the ground or something to like be like, oh yeah, right. somebody was there. No, the helmet is still attached to the bike, and he literally yeah. detached it, handed it to her. She and donned it upon yeah. her hel- like her head and everything. Right? Because when you were first telling the story, I was I was fully one hundred percent planning on going like, there's a solid chance this guy just knocked a hitchhiker off his bike and never <laughs> found her. Right? right. Like But the the helmet being there attached to the side of the bike is such a cool detail it like seals it in your mind. Like yeah. So did this guy imagine the entire interaction? You know what I mean? Like, See, that was his immediate thought, was maybe I didn't have somebody here. Right, was I daydreaming? Or right. like, But as he continues would, to drive into town, he, like, he was alarmed. Like, he, you know, it really yeah. started to bother him, and he started to think about it more and more and more, and realized, yeah, no, this actually happened. Yeah. That's- uh, yeah, which is crazy. Crazy for sure. Yeah, that's wild. Like, I, I feel like a lot of, a lot of times when you hear people talk about like anomalous experiences, it's super common to hear like them say that for a moment they like legitimately question their own sanity. Right. Of course. You know what I mean? Like, there's that moment that like, am I really seeing what I think I I'm seeing? Yeah, I think I you think know? that's probably a, a very very common thing. You know, yeah. I mean, anytime you see anything out of the ordinary, experience something out of the ordinary, like you're going to question 
the actual realness to it, the authenticity of it, right? Which is crazy. Like, I feel like that's an opportunity that, like, people like me, who have never really had an anomalous experience, I haven't had those frequent opportunities to, like, sort of stop and assess the nature of reality. Of course. That's basically what you're doing in those situations, right? Yeah. Like, as a person, you, as a person who's had lots of unexplainable experiences, like... I feel like you've had like a wealth of opportunities to, to like stop and go like. Oh, I mean, I've, I've done in, that a lot what myself. What the hell is in front of me? Even as we've talked about it, I've you know I've I've had that thought like maybe it didn't really happen. Maybe it has been in my head, right. you know, like or whatever else. But I feel like that's really not the case. Yeah, you know, there's too many yeah. other factors at play to really support, you know, the these experiences and these things that have happened. Right, too. It you feel like it's too involved to be explained by like hallucination. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just crazy to me. Like I imagine that moment where he realized the helmet was attached to the side of the bike. Imagine that and feeling. Him just like yeah, just like right. a sinking in your stomach. Like what just happened to me? Yeah. I mean, you, know? you even felt like the feeling of someone literally hopping off the bike or being pulled off or thrown off, thrown off, whatever. Like, you know, like that feeling that you can, you can feel. And you know, it's, it's very, very obvious. And to think of that. And then also like, you're freaking out because you literally just had somebody on the back of your bike. You were giving them a ride. And then finally realizes, yeah, this, this helmet is in the same position. And still attached as it originally was. Yeah. Like, those no, are just all weird, crazy. weird, you know, circumstances. And, you know, f- yeah, kind of, you know, just weird things to support this. Yeah. And weird is a massive understatement. Oh, I agree. It's like, I agree. it's fully bizarre. Like, I don't know. That one just blew my mind. Yeah. And then finally, the the last fellow, also on a motorcycle, has like... A very bandage man experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're like only worse. I mean, I don't know if it's worse because it's like this beautiful young woman instead of this like crazy, right. melt, half melted guy wrapped in Gross, bandages. But bloody, like, yeah. Bandaged. Yeah. 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 But it is worse in the way that this isn't an entity just appearing in your back seat. Like yeah. this woman appears with her arms wrapped around him. You right, know what I mean? and like, that's that's also the thing, though, is he like he's driving, and he's out there looking for his buddy, you know, trying to help him, and yeah. all of a sudden just feels this weight, this pressure against him, and feels this kind of weight on his back, like someone leaning against, like putting their weight on yeah. on him, and then looks down to see hands, literally Dude. clasped, like you know, together in front of him. Like to me, that yeah. would be scarier than all the others because you're yeah. not expecting it all. Like you're yeah, not you're not picking up somebody. You. Yeah, you all of a sudden you're out there on your own, you know, in the middle of the night doing your thing, and all of a sudden somebody is literally holding on to you. Like, yeah, and that would be yeah, that would mess with me you're the being, most. I think you're 
you're be- suddenly being surprised grappled. Yeah. Like, that's so, that's so scary, dude. Like, whatever that highway is in Oregon that Bandage Man supposedly hangs out on, don't drive a fucking motorcycle there. Mm. Like, right. Yeah. Imagine being surprised grappled by that dude. <laughs> but the other thing is like so he like his immediate thought is i better speed up (laughs) maybe yeah that's this person (laughs) that's a very odd (laughs) response i you know i i I suppose in some way it makes sense that you know there's some some sense to it he even notes that it's like feminine hands that he right yeah right exactly so like suddenly there's a woman on the back of your motorcycle and you're like better loser (laughs) it's an unwanted passenger yeah you know he's not out there to pick up a lady he's out there to help his friend (laughs) yeah (laughs) he speeds up doesn't help he speeds up more and she starts banging on the back of his helmet yeah like yeah he described as like three like literal like forceful hits to the back of his right, head like punches yeah right and then all of a sudden nothing gone yeah no so pressure this... no weight nothing you know that that the whole the person the whatever it was is just gone gone so this guy fully might have killed a hitchhiker <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying but that hitchhiker had to have been running pretty fast or timed their jump just perfectly. Yeah. She could have just grabbed onto him and grabbed onto him and swung a leg over. He was like, I mean, he noted that he was going fairly slow. He was 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 looking for his leisurely pace. I mean, but still, I mean, a leisurely pace could be like 20 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour. Like, Maybe she just went for it, dude. Maybe. And she was like, you know, snatched him by the jacket and threw a leg over. It was on the back of the bike. And, like, he just killed her. <laughs> like, Show her. He's just like, oh, God, I better go 100 miles an hour. Yeah, I mean, he sped up to 80 and then to 100 after she wouldn't let go. And then she flew off to her death. <laughs> While she's banging, like, telling him, slow down, slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Who Probably. Knows? Maybe. That's, she's probably like, all right, dude, I'll get off. Just slow down. <laughs> He's like, nope. I wonder if they ever found, found her and, you know, there on the embankment. Right? New legend. Yeah. But still, now that one, like I said, I mean, that would be one that would, you know, I, I would be, I'd be pretty terrified of if yeah, I were in the same. situation. I'm just saying my response probably would be stop and get off the motorcycle, not increase speed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I would... Man, I don't know. I, actually, I don't know. I mean, maybe he just panicked in the moment. Honestly, you I know what I mean. Yeah, you're right. I'd probably, I, I would probably actually, I'd probably wreck. Yeah, because I would like throw myself off of it, just throw it over. Yeah, <laughs> like just lay it down. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd, yeah, I'd want to get that. away. And like, what's she gonna do? Stay attached to my back, and I'm gonna give her a piggyback ride off, you know, down the road. <laughs> She just keeps holding on with her legs wrapped around your waist. We fall in love um, and ride off into the sunset. Who knows? Jog off into the sunset. Yeah, jog off, yeah. Eventually, yeah. I think I'd return back to the bike once I like realize <laughs> this lady ain't going anywhere. I'm just going to have to take her once home. You, 
Once you fell in love with her. <laughs> once, once I fall in love with her that same night after this has happened, after she, like, yeah. you know, rudely hopped on top of my, you know, hopped on the back of my bike without, like, any warning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Weird. Know, that one's weird. Yeah. It's definitely a weird, weird situation. Um, and like I said, I think that was probably my most, most notable one I thought was just so strange. Yeah. Yeah. The just appearing on the back of the bike is it's freaky, right? For sure, because it's such close contact. Yeah, and this is essentially you know? what twelve years after the initial accident. Yeah. yeah. So this would have been nineteen. Well, what early eighties? Yeah, it would have been eighty three. I want to say. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Eighty one. Eighty. What was the one in eighty three? Okay. 81. Maybe maybe that's another story I have for us. I don't know. Um, but could be. Yeah, no, that is that's right. I do have an I have a, I have another one from eighty three that just kinda like has another tie in to this. Um okay. but yeah, out of those original reports though, because this was again reported on and you know, like as just this weird, weird situation and you know, this again, phantom hitchhiker. And all these people kept verifying the physical description. As the exact same as Marie Rue. Yeah. Maria Rue. Or Rhea was what people actually referred to her as most of the time. Especially her family. Like, in all the reports and statements from her family, everybody referred to as Rhea. The, like, the continued description and consistent description is... That's, like, one of the weirdest parts, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know how popular this was at this point, because it's still pretty close to the time of the actual accident. I feel like it doesn't hasn't quite had time to become legend yet. Yeah. I mean... You know what I mean? Well, 68... I mean, that's what? 50, 54 years? No, I mean, like, 68 to... Oh, when by this these time. Okay, I thought... All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. But, like... Because I was thinking the with the consistent descriptions, like, maybe they know the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, this is real close to when it happened. So, at this point, I feel like it's still, like, a, you know, maybe people who caught a little article in the news when it happened mm-hmm. knew about it. And that was about it. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, and of these course. stories are kind of what eventually made it legend, right? So their descriptions being consistent is i feel like is like corroboration yeah i agree and you know and these are people that didn't know each other um like you said we're probably unfamiliar really with the story or maybe heard something and like passing or something like that i mean you know it's not going to be something that's so widely known that people are going to be out there looking for Right, because that's what that's what I feel like causes a lot of these things is like, oh, there's old so and so road, you know, that's that's where, yeah. you know, who's or what's it is, you know, goes out and does their thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> vague, I feel like that's still. why, like, I I have a lot of trouble dealing with like, um, like, lady in white stories from like 2018. Yeah. I'm like, how long have you been listening to stories about that, you know, of course, that hairpin course. curve outside your small town? Like, yeah, you know how to tell a story of it. You exactly know? that. And like, people are going to go out there knowing what they're looking for. And they're going to, you know, I mean, 
trick of some lights and things like that. Like, yeah. you, you can trick your mind to see anything. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that's that's also part of that, too. And then, especially with a lot of these lone highway or haunted highway stories and stuff like that, you know, fatigue plays a big part in, you know, in everything. Yeah. You know, just yep. as we talked about the first, you know, the first episode that we had done on, on kind of the di- different haunted highway stories is like yep. being out there late at night, you know, you're driving across this like lone stretch of highway and, you know, with, with your mind already being, you know, that in kind of that state, your body's, your body's exhausted, you're tired, you know, it, you can, you can you know, think that you can see a lot of these things or a lot of just strange occurrences. You're like half daydreaming. Exactly. You know, in sort of that highway trance, that highway hypnosis state. And like, it's super easy to have. You could definitely have like a little micro dream and just Mm -hmm. fully imagine. And it's easy to trick yourself into thinking like, no, I was awake. Right. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of that happens with like the um the sleep paralysis stuff too. Oh yeah. Where mm-hmm. like once the thing you're dreaming of scares you and you become awake, you don't really feel that line between asleep and awake, right? Yeah. Like cuz you go I mean, straight from your dream experience into the waking world. Yeah. And like it's it's I feel like it's really easy to get confused and be like, "No, I was awake. I know I was awake." I feel like there's there's a line there's like the you know that that line that you can barely cross between that yeah. like waking and dreaming state where you are yeah. immediately you know you are awake your 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 body is awake but like your mind isn't quite there yet yeah your mind is wandering right it's it hasn't caught up so I think like that's yeah I mean you know where you can think that you are awake or you are asleep or whatever else. Yeah, you know, and you're right, right there at that like kind of cusp, or you know that just yeah. kind of line yep. at that point. I feel like, especially when you're driving and you're in that state, it's really easy to go like, "Well, if I was asleep, I would have crashed." Right. You know what I mean? Like, but you don't have to be like fully unconscious to to get like that little dose of DMT from your brain yeah. and give you some visions. You know what I mean? Like. People do that. People ride that line during meditation. A, lo- a lot of people who have like fully like visual experiences while they're meditating are riding that line. Yeah. And they're getting like little doses of DMT that they would like you would get if you were dreaming. Mm-hmm. But you're but you're right at that line between waking and asleep. Yeah, exactly. Now, I don't know that I would put like this particular you know these particular different accounts in that kind of same category um i i think it'd pretty be probably pretty difficult to drive a motorcycle while you're sleeping sure uh harder than a car obviously um yeah yeah but uh you know i'd say that's a fair point (laughs) right and also you know also also, I feel like a lot of these situations are more than visual. Right. They're like tactile. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, and like the policeman seeing the door open on the back oh, yeah. of the and car. The fact you're that he like, confirmed that too. And yeah. went on later to like admit that, you know, despite the possibility of ridicule or like 
yep. people mocking him and whatever else. He was open about yep. it. Yep. And this first guy in particular, um, Lagrange, Anton Lagrange, his situation with the car. You can't tell me that like he was half asleep and he, you know, dreamed of picking up a hitchhiker, whatever, and then came to and she wasn't there. I could buy that almost. Yeah. Right. But the fact that he went and reported it, went back out, what, he fell half asleep again to have the next experience with the screaming and then went back again. And then he had fell back asleep again for the door opening experience. And then, of course, the officer behind him maybe fell asleep as well and saw the same thing. Yeah, and he dreamed of the door opening. (laughs) Yeah. Is this this about like mass hysteria at that point? Yeah. This goes back to like what you were talking about with your experiences with with shadow people is like there's too much involved to write it off as like pure being purely hallucinatory. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just it's there's too there's there are too many breaks. There are too many like coming and going. There's too much feeling it and seeing it interact with the world around you. You know? Yeah. It. Yeah. Now, just to kind of go back here a little bit. Uh, so, like I had mentioned, in 80... Um, so was it 1983? There was a man and his wife were actually celebrating their honeymoon. And they were driving through this area. Uh, Danny, Danny DeCock and his wife. I didn't get her name. Uh, so basically... Danny the cock? <laughs> DeCock. Okay, but I thought he was maybe like a character in a Guy Ritchie movie. Danny, or Danny DeCock. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> it might be like DeCoke or something. I don't know. Like, sure, you know, whatever. Um, again, sorry for butchering things. <laughs> yeah. So basically, all apologies. <laughs> the story goes that his wife was asleep in the passenger seat. And he's, you know, he's out driving. It's late at night. You know, he has, he basically has to stop and take a piss. Right. So he pulls off to the, along the side of the road and quote stated, it was late at night. There wasn't the slightest wind. I got out, walked around the car when a terrible sound like a rushing wind came rolling down the road and went dead quiet as it reached the car. I got the fright of my life and ran back to the driver's side to be met by someone sitting in my seat. I ran to the other side again to pull my wife from the car as I thought we were being hijacked. But upon waking my wife, I discovered the other person was gone. We left the spot in a hurry and about 500 meters down the road, we saw this woman in what appeared to be dressed in a gown, waving at us to slow down. I reduced speed in case it was someone in need in need of help, but before we could reach her, she disappeared. I stopped at a garage in Uniondale and told a stranger about my experience, and that was the first time I learned about this ghost. You can imagine the chills that went down my spine. This is the honest truth. That's... Yeah, that's gnarly. So yeah, I mean, you you, know, you get out, you're out there peeing, like your your wife's sound asleep. You know, you expect everything to be completely fine. Walks back yeah. around, and there's someone sitting in his seat. Does he describe the person ever? No, that was. Is I mean, that like, was the quote. 
Yeah. That yeah, that's gnarly. That's again, that's one that's like way too involved. Right. To be yeah. right. Like, man. Also, it's like kind of eerie that it's like parallels the original yeah. occurrence where like his his gal is asleep in the car. Yeah, that, that I thought that like, too. Now it would have yeah. been especially good if she would have been sleeping in, in the, the back, back seat. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If I wrote that story, she would have been in the back seat. I mean, this sure. this is what he <laughs> said though, so I I couldn't I change that. Now I know. a couple a couple facts to throw at you. So a year after Maria Rose's death, uh, Gil actually remarried. Okay. A year later. Now in 1984. He ironically died in a car accident. Now, what's even more weird about this is it was said that at that point, all the reports of seeing Maria Rue completely and immediately ceased. Oh, wow. So a lot of people believe that she was out there searching for her soon, you know, her new, newly yeah. pronounced fiance soon to her be love. husband her love right and yeah. after he died like you know some people believed like maybe they were you know basically like brought back together or whatever else yeah you know at that Soulmates point she reunited. was exactly she was no longer searching for whatever it was I that kinda, she'd been searching for i kind of feel bad for his actual wife <laughs> right <laughs> you know the <laughs> one that actually made it yeah, like she's yes. gonna have oh, to go to heaven and be by herself. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she'll like. Maybe she'll remarry. Maybe she remarried after he died, and you know she'll have afterlife with her new husband. Maybe. Hopefully, you know. I don't know. She doesn't experience him. Yeah. <laughs> out exactly. there flagging her down on the road. <laughs> Imagine if you were if you were Maria and you waited all this time for him and he's like, "No, he's, you go ahead. I got to wait right on here. Her. I, I got somebody else now. What are you doing, girl? You can get going." Right. I got over that shit a long time ago. <laughs> but of course, you know, and a lot of these people believe that like these people are stuck in essentially a loop. Yeah. Um either yeah. as a result of what happened, what caused their death in the first place, Maybe they're trying to live out or trying to reach their original destination. Um, it was yeah. also said that like when she would get into cars, they would ask where she wanted to go to, um, and she would literally give them an address. Um, okay, you know, like to where where they were actually going. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously wouldn't make it, but a few miles. Now, I also, I've that's also, another classic. Yeah, that's another ahead. classic thing with. Uh, lady in white stories right where like you hear these ones where the the woman will give them an address and they'll go to the address and um nothing's there yeah or you know it's like a place that used to be a house and yeah, now it's like this old this like open field or whatever there are lots of different iterations of it um but yeah, I, I feel like that's a fairly common trope with the the woman in white legends too I know reading some of these, obviously, most of them, these ghastly figures, people, uh, apparitions, mm-hmm. whatever, eventually just vanish. But some of them do yeah. make it the whole ride before disappearing once they reach their destination. Yeah. That was a, you know something yeah. else I kind of came upon. 
I had a thought about we talk a lot in it we've talked a lot in this episode and we did in the last Haunted Highways episode about this idea of like liminal spaces, right? And we it's often talked about like it's a place that attracts these these this type of phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm. And liminal spaces of all type, right? Like um poltergeists tend to happen when people are on like in like emotionally liminal spaces yeah, where they're like on the cusp of a, a life transition or you know what I mean? Um But I had this like this thought of like maybe these maybe the energy of these ghosts let's talk like these specifically these like um women in white and like this story of maria where their energy gets caught in these liminal spaces because they're like they can't ever get to where they're going because they're stuck in this in-between space yeah you know what i mean like this liminal space that they have to just keep like repeating and repeating and Mm -hmm. repeating the time loop essentially yeah and like the the actual the actual space being a liminal space like try is what traps them you know what i mean maybe it's just a random a random thought concept yeah i mean you know i I think that would make a lot of sense especially with the energy that's involved and and everything like about the situation you know whether it it's i mean especially in a lot of these it happens because of tragedy as a result of tragedy yeah and i think like i mean i just imagine the thousands and thousands of people who have driven these stretches of highway who have traveled these stretches with like no thought to where they are while they're there you know what i mean yeah like while you're driving these stretches of highway like we've been talking about the whole time that like highway hypnosis you're not thinking about where you are you're think, you know, you remember where you came from, you know where you're headed. Exactly. That's all you're thinking about. So like, I feel like that creates such a unique energy in a place. You know what I mean? Like it's such an ignored space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also I'm like kinda, Yeah, I think it it's also in that mindset like you are reaching you're going from point A to point B and that's the whole that's like the whole plan. That's your whole like you know yeah. the point reasoning for being. At, yeah. No in more this consideration space. is given. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and that's why you know when these things happen and they're looking for this particular thing or trying to go to this particular place because yeah they're stuck in that you know right. within this that kind of state. space exactly yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting yeah I like that concept. Now I had just a couple a couple uh, additional kind of stories before we kind of start to wrap yeah, yeah. up here. Um, you know, okay. I'll, quite, I'll quickly go uh, through them because I know we're getting close on time. But uh, in okay. in Switzerland, it's basically said that a, ge- a ghostly hitchhiker frequents the roads around the the Belgian motorway tunnel uh, near Basel or Basel. Uh, police reports basically state that people have stopped to give an elderly woman a ride. Uh, she's said to be dressed in white. She warns drivers essentially of an impending disaster before disappearing. Interesting. Um, and it, it's apparently saved some, you know, some people for like okay. that actually buy into it. Um, 
There's... So Belgium has like an elderly Mothman woman in white. Right, essentially, <laughs> yeah. And that's actually yeah. been a, another common thing that happens too. These hitchhiker people will like warn people of what's coming or like try and help them. Yeah. Um, and then disappear once they've given them the information. That was um, when I was on that show, the um, Project Skeptic, and we were talking about women in white. That was because we were talking specifically about what, one of the local Pennsylvania legends mm-hmm. where um, where the host of the show is from. And that's that was one of the things that were common in those stories was she would like warn of like bad weather or like um a da- some danger in the road cuz it was on this like windy mountain road gotcha um and like she would warn of some danger and these people would like would say like they would encounter her and then like 20 minutes later driving up the up this mountain road there would be like a a rock slide or something you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. I, I really like that that being kind of like the the whole concept the whole idea is like being there just to warn about you know something like something occurring yeah. or something happening it's it's like you know that uh, kind of precursor and uh you know whatever what's ahead right yeah that's a that's a different take on it I like that now in white Lock, uh right wow white rock lake park in Dallas Texas uh, there's a woman in white, again, another woman in white, that has reportedly appeared to numerous witnesses near East Lothar Drive. Uh, the woman appears to be soaking wet from standing in the rain and asks for a ride home. Uh, okay. Basically, at that point, she's given a ride. She eventually vanishes from the car, leaving the seat wet from where she had sat. And her story is basically it's believed that she had died by drowning in the lake after a boating accident in the 30s. Is this the one that, like, people frequently spot, like, standing in the water, like, in the shallow parts of the lake? They'll see her there also? It might be. I I think so. I didn't really, like, dive too much in, like, other, you know, accounts of it or anything. Um, But it might be. There's a weird part of, there's a weird part of that legend, too, where, like, in that original story where um, she, it's very, like, um... La Llorona. Right. There are, there are like shades of La Llorona in it where like her child drowns first in the uh, lake. Okay. And then after she calls people over, she like rushes into the lake. And it was reported at least that she rushed into the lake to try to save her child and never came out. Yeah. Like, yeah. That'd be pretty weird. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's also weird that there were just men and women standing around going like, I bet she'll come out eventually. <laughs> like Well, it's been a half hour any minute now. Yeah. Like forty five minutes, I gotta go home and make dinner. Yeah, like what are you doing? I'm, I think we're done here. <laughs> hey uh lady, I gotta go. Sorry. <laughs> right. Please just flag down the next driver. Yeah. They'll get let you. us know how, fine. Let us, let, let us know how it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. There are lots of like you could pick apart any of these old like oh, yeah. urban legend <laughs> right. style stories, you know. Um, 
Because they've been like bent and twisted and changed over decades and See, decades. That's the and decades, other so. the other big big thing about these stories is how much they have changed over time. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, just quickly, I'm just gonna quickly kind of get through just uh, you know, at least yeah, one other one here. Um, yeah, let's and hear this one. This one more. is more modern. Now that we have things like cameras and things like that available that um, you're, you know, essentially almost used as a means of catching, you know, these these specific things. So there were yeah. reports of a, essentially a phantom pilot near the RAF uh, Lake and Heath in Suffolk. Uh, during the most well-known account- encounter, uh, he was essentially picked up by a military officer. Uh, the man asked the officer for a light for a cigarette, and the officer handed them a Zippo. Uh, you know, basically handed him over. He hears it click, lights, clicks shut, then all of a sudden just hears a drop to the floor. Oh, yeah. He looks, you know, he looks over, or looks back, there's no one there. Um, now, in 2018... There was actually dash cam fo- uh, footage that showed that same pilot alongside the road. Um, basically, like the hazy footage, it's of course hazy footage, that shows the man dressed in a blue uniform, uh, and basically like a blue RAF serviceman uniform. Uh, right. Basically, he's, you see the figure fade as the vehicle gets closer. You know? Uh, just kind of one of those situations which I mean I could honestly be a lot of different things I'm sure it could be explained somehow but uh, you know kind of cool yeah we um, that's a very classic like um, that's a very classic unsolved mysteries scene right? right where like he's like hey can I get a light and he hands him the lighter and he's just like driving along and then he hears it light, and then like you see the lighter just fall to the seat, the car mm-hmm. seat, right? Yeah, yeah. You know that what that really reminds me of is when we covered the haunting of Building Two Two Eight Three, the um, th- in the Air Force Base in Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you remember correctly, during the debrief, I talked about a a nearby Air Force Base. Yeah, that wasn't it. Wasn't in the same one. Mm-hmm. It was, and there was this legend of there were there were these accounts of encountering. Um, it was almost like a a soldier in like a an older uniform, like a an old school version of their uniform. Yeah, and he would always ask for a light for his cigarette, and he would like take a light and light a cigarette and then just like fade out right in front of people's eyes. Well, apparently in the ghost world, they can't light their own cigarettes. Yeah. So he has to come out, light a cigarette, go back in. There's a serious butane shortage in the, yeah. In the nether world. That right there, that explains it all. Yep. (laughs) No, but like I, that, yeah, that's what it reminded me of because that, those sightings were so frequent that like they ended up closing that gate yeah. that it, he was known to be seen at. They stopped using it because no one wanted to be stationed there. But yeah, that's that's an interesting story. I like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, just a couple of random, you know, random extras to throw in the mix. Yeah, but 
definitely. Yeah, I mean, especially as, like, you know, now with modern technology and things like that, I mean, you know, there's videos everywhere of supposed ghosts and, sure, you know, other things like that, right? It's, you know, it's, it's always going to happen. Um, yeah. You know, whether or not there's actually any real, like, credibility or anything to them. Who knows? Yeah, that's okay. Maybe, uh, you know... Maybe it's something that can be perceived by the human mind, and that's it. Maybe. You know? Yeah. That's... For me, that's always a possibility, right? And that, to me, that doesn't make it any less real, that it can't be documented by, you know, photography or... I agree. Or video. I feel like if people are experiencing it, then it's a part of the world. Now we're getting into the idea of just tulpas and stuff again. Dude, that's the backbone of everything. I'm telling you. <laughs> right. At the core of everything we discuss on this show is the human experience. I agree. Right? Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to escape that. And everybody experiences things differently. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, you know, and, reportedly in these tales, people experience pretty similar occurrences. You know, so I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I'm not going to state anything otherwise like I'm, you know, I'm obviously going to take it for what it for what it is and yeah. I, think, I think it's a really really cool take on the the whole haunted highways and you know it's a little bit more than just an urban legend to me I think I yeah I think so too I think so too um the corroboration with the cop sealed it for me the like him seeing the door open yeah. and close like that's that's fucking weird. Yeah. I don't like Yeah. Anytime That's like any undeniably bizarre. Any type of influential figure can also come back and say, Yeah, this happened. Yep. Yeah, I feel I feel like it adds, you know, a little bit more authenticity. Yeah, I agree completely. I loved it, dude. It was, yeah, great Excellent. story. Yeah. Well, I think that uh wraps up. Episode 48, Haunted Highways Part 2, The Uniondale Ghost. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling it's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes we're just keeping up on our day-to-day and maybe some swag along the way it is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible again that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt, buy a sticker, buy a blanket, buy a pillow, anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. 
And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram. The brilliant mind behind the gorgeous music that you hear each week behind the debrief. So go find him at reverentmusic.bandcamp.com or you can visit his Spotify page by searching Reverent, R-E-V-E-R-E-N-T. All of these links can be found in the episode description. Go and support him. You both deserve it. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown. unknown.